Hey everyone, welcome back to the second episode of the preseason of the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung, and of course you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung, and that's M-E-N-G. Long time no cast addicts. It's Los at FFA underscore Los. Uh, hope y'all are ready for another exciting episode talking about uh, some wide receivers and tight ends heading into the 2022 season. Yeah, you guys can go back and listen to us talk about our quarterback and running back values and fades at ADP on the last episode, but uh, we're going to hop right in. Uh, We're talking, of course, about 12-team PPR formats. That's usually what we discuss here, and we're using Fantasy Pro's PPR ADP, which aggregates data from six different sites. Uh, Always important to check the ADP and do a couple mocks on whatever platform you'll be drafting on, but... uh, you know, we'll hop right in. And of course, if you want my full top 200 PPR redraft rankings, you can find those over at fantraxhq.com. Los, who is a wide receiver that's going fairly early here that you're probably not going to have a whole lot of this year? You know who's going early that I'm not going to have a lot of this year? It's Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver 26, going 67th overall in drafts right now. And it's nothing personal. It's it's just fantasy. Amon Ross St. Brown certainly made a splash at the end of last season. I think most folks have heard all sides of those circumstances, Hawkinson being down, them having a different look to the offense than they certainly expected going into the year. I, I'm in the camp that not only was his success fueled by a complete lack of other options, in the past game, uh, which will not be the case with a healthy Hawkinson. I also feel DeAndre Swift takes a significant step forward this year at running back and that more targets go Jamal Williams' way this year. Uh, ARSB, as, as I'm going to take to calling him, ARSB is fine in the flex, but give me Cooks, Allen Robinson, Hollywood Brown any day over the 2020s update of Jamison Crowder. Yeah, and I've actually come around on Amon Ross St. Brown. I was pretty low on him in Dynasty, but I mean, going back and watching those last few games, uh, it definitely, you know, the target volume was definitely as a result of the lack of other options, but he was, you know, good. Like he wouldn't have earned those targets had he not been open. And we do know that Jared Goff likes to target the slot receiver. You know, Cooper Cup was productive even before the upgrade to Matthew Stafford, but. Yeah, like you said, wide receiver 26 over guys who I love, like Allen Robinson, Marquise Brown going in the same range, and even some you know other positions there. That's just a bit rich. I think I've got him wide receiver 39. So I think he's a usable wide receiver through or flex, but I'm not counting on him you know, quite that early, 67th overall here. Pretty much in lockstep. All right. Uh, now I'm going to talk about my first guy who I know you disagree with Los. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it's Debo Samuel. Who's going as the wide receiver six 15th overall. So early second round, it's going to be a fun debate because I have no, no issue with the talent here, right? Debo Samuel proved that he's one of those dangerous yards after catch weapons in the league. Um, it's just, the issue is just ADP here because I think with the change at quarterback, going from, I was about to say golf, um, Garoppolo, but close enough. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, going from Garoppolo to Trey Lance, who, you know, on the last episode, we talked quite a bit about, I love what he offers in fantasy, especially as a runner, but I am concerned about the difference in how those two quarterbacks play, because I think Samuel will still get touches manufactured behind the line of scrimmage and at wide back, but 
His 8.4 average depth of target was outside the top 50 wide receivers last year. Goff really was happy to kind of dump it off to him on those short crossing routes. And then Samuel did the rest and he certainly made up for it, you know, top five in yards after the catch per reception. But I do think Lance is going to be a little bit more fearless at throwing downfield. Now, of course, Samuel is going to get some of those downfield targets, but at the same time, you know, we're hearing a lot about Brandon Ayuk having great chemistry with Trey Lance. He's been dominant in training camp. I think it's going to be a little bit more spread out between Samuel Ayuk and even George Kittle here. And for me, I just can't justify that massive gap in ADP between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk because I think it wouldn't be shock me if they score fairly similarly in fantasy this year, but you're paying a huge premium for Samuel. To me, Debo Samuel got paid as a wide receiver, which he held out for, uh, not, not as a running back. He's going to come in refreshed, rejuvenated, and happy about that. He's going to have – he has rushing targets added in his new contract, so he will be used in the rushing game as well, which Ayuk I will not be doing, um, which is besides the point. He was a game-breaking wide receiver last year. There's no doubt about that. If, there was, if Cooper Cup was not there last year, which is a silly thing to say, but Cooper Cup broke fantasy, so to speak, last year, if it wasn't for Cup – Debo Samuel, we'd be saying just about the same thing. His 21.2 points per game would have put him at wide receiver two on the season for each and every of the last four seasons. The only players to beat that were Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas after his record-breaking season. And after each of those seasons, each wide receiver was seen as a rock-solid mid-first-round draft pick. Debo Samuel is rising in his ADP lately, but I think he's plateaued. Um, I'd love to have him in the start of the second round, uh, mid second round where he's going right now at 15th overall, as Monk said, uh, but I'd love to grab him in the late first uh, and then maybe grab one of Barkley or Aaron Jones uh, in the second round. I think that's a tremendous start uh, for the guys that are going ahead of Debo Samuel that I think he should jump is essentially that second tier of running backs. If, if you feel comfortable going Devonte Adams in the first, you should be going D, uh, Debo Samuel in almost exactly the same spot in that late first round. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I don't hate it because I think the talent is there and uh, it is possible that he resumes that clear number one role, right? Because he just is used in a more versatile manner than Iuk. Um, and I'm, I also wouldn't be mad about it because I have some bets on Trey Lance win MVP and Hey, if Debo Samuel is dominating, I think those look better. Uh, I know our super producer, Dan doesn't mind because he's got Debo and Iuk in our dynasty league together. So he'd be happy. Uh, to have both of them explode. Um, to me, I just think, I, I think the passing pie is murky enough in San Francisco that I would rather just bank on Trey Lance and George Kittle, and I'll get the benefits of Debo and IU by drafting Lance at ADP or even above ADP. Well, that's fair, but that just avoids the issue altogether. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. I'm just, I would rather get that second tier of running back that you're saying in that range. Um, like if I can get both Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara to start my drafts this year. Well, like, that's obviously quite nice. Um, but I think, you know, if you're in that, in that, like at the eight or nine or 10 spot, right. Let's say you draw that draft spot. Right. Right. I think it's very possible that you can do that. You can have that start. So would you rather start zero running back with like Devonte Adams and Debo Samuel, or would you rather have Barkley and Kamara knowing that the running back options kind of drop off more in my opinion? 
to me, it's more so if he drops. I, I grab him if he drops. I, I I think you know that I'm very running back forward when it comes to my drafting. Um, so I guess I'm not practicing what I'm preaching here, but I would I would take the running back. <laughs> okay, so you're taking like a Kamara or Barkley over Samuel if he comes back to you in that mid-second round. Well, I would probably, if you weren't in the league, try and play the ADP game there with and take Samuel first. I think my only issue with that is like there are enough people in every league who are gonna take Samuel. I just don't see him dropping into the third round in many leagues. Samuel or wait. Debo so I, think I think I misunderstood your question. Oh, I'm saying like if Barkley and Kamara there in the mid second round, along with Samuel, like you said, you would take them over him, right? No, I thought you were asking if I was intending on taking Barkley in the mid first, would I swing back and take Samuel? Gotcha. And I'm saying that I would take Samuel and hope Barkley drops for me based on ADP. Gotcha. Okay. So like the mid third. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I'm just taking those running backs with true elite potential at that point. But certainly, I mean, it would not shock me if Debo Samuel has another top five wide receiver season. But this is also a question of just how you play fantasy. How high are you taking? So, so just to sort of set the record on this, how high are you taking Cooper cup this year? What overall? I have him, I believe fourth overall. <laughs> Sorry. Fifth I guess overall. I feel- so he is your wide receiver one. Uh, I mean, wide receiver one, wide receiver two. I I think there's arguments for Justin Jefferson, but yeah, yeah. totally, totally. But, but you're comfortable going that high with a, with a, with a top flight wide receiver is the point. Yeah. To me, there's just less risk because I do think, like I said, my argument is that I think it could be more split between Samuel and Ayuk. I see that. Yep. I get that. But at the same time, I will say that I'm going to be talking about Allen Robinson pretty soon. And I find myself passing on cup sometimes because I think I can get comparable production from Robinson. And so that's kind of a similar argument for me with the Niners wide receivers. Certainly. Uh, one thing about Ayuk is that I don't know if it's Swayze anyway or another, but a good portion of his production and a good portion of the risk with Debo Samuel has been that Debo Samuel has had that injury issue. Now he did not last year. So that is a risk with him, so to speak. I don't buy it as a risk for Debo Samuel anymore. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a significant risk. Like I, I still have him ranked highly. I'm just, not quite yeah. that high. Yep. Fair enough. Yep. All right. So we kind of went off track cause I wanted to give you your rebuttal on Debo sure. Samuel. Appreciate it. Let's go back to overvalued wide receivers. Who's your second right. one Los? My second wide receiver is Jalen Waddle at wide receiver 14 overall 40. He was phenomenal last year, not a knock on the talents at all. But, and while I do think Tua takes a big step forward as uh, if you guys want to hear about that, go ahead and listen to episode one of season eight. Uh, I, I just don't know that it's enough to support Waddle as an almost wide receiver receiver one wide receiver 14 where he's going while Tyreek Hill is on the team I view Waddle as a very strong PPR play but he lacks the touchdown upside of a strong wide receiver to play I'd rather have the likes of Pittman DJ Moore Deontay Johnson and Mike Williams over Jalen Waddle for this season and I know you're going to disagree with one of those (laughs) well no I mean I think my issue with Waddle is he's better in best ball because I I don't see him claiming the same 24% target share that he did as a rookie with Tyree kill there now. Right. Um, and I think he's going to have some huge games, but I think he's going to have some quiet games as well. 
Um, because right now both he and Hill are being drafted as top 15 wide receivers. And if you're taking those guys at ADP, then you better be reaching for Tua because you're basically betting on him to be like an MVP candidate, right? If you exactly, have both exactly. of them top 15. So yep. I, I think that's my issue with Waddle is just ADP. I've got him, you know, wide receiver 29, which it sounds crazy low, you know, compared to his ADP, but I don't think that's low on Waddle. Like that's a solid back end wide receiver too. High There's a wide receiver of- three the middle tier of, of wide receivers is very good this year. Yeah. That's why I'm not drafting Debo Samuels. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but okay. Uh, I'm certainly with you on Waddle being a little bit overvalued there. Uh, let's not, let's move on to another guy who has a ton of talent, right? Again, we're, we're not fading the player himself. We're fading these ADPs. And for me, that's DK Metcalf who's being drafted as wide receiver 18 45th overall. So like that mid fourth round and look, so the Seahawks believe in him. They signed him to a three year, $72 million extension, but he's going to be catching passes from Drew Locke or Geno Smith this year. And look, a lot of pushback I've gotten uh, on Metcalf this off season has been people saying that, you know, he was the wide receiver 15 in PPR points for game from week six to eight last year uh, after Russell Wilson hurt his finger and Geno Smith filled in, but forgive me if I'm not buying into a very small three game sample size where Metcalf scored three touchdowns on just 14 catches. And two of those touchdowns came in a blowout against Jacksonville. So for me, I'm not reading too much into those three games with Geno Smith. Again, Metcalf like Waddles, one of those players who can and will have big games regardless of the quarterback play. But I do think it's going to be tough to guess which those weeks come from. I've got them ranked in that boomer bust wide receiver three range in round six, pretty close to where I've waddled. So again, that just means I'm not going to have either waddle or Metcalf on a whole lot of my redraft teams this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, if if any, if you recall from last year, uh, I I don't know if I could, if I'm just not a DK Metcalf guy. I I think he's a really cool player. I love him. I just don't think he's great in fantasy. Last year, he was a fade for me with Tyler Lockett maintaining a big part of that offense. This year, he's still a fade for me. So I don't. Is there anybody other than uh, Debo that we've disagreed on yet? Like for, from a from a firm standpoint. Um. I don't think so. Not, no. I mean, I think Javante was probably the closest cause I am willing yeah. to take a few shots on Javante Williams, Fair given enough. the upside of his talent. But overall, yeah. I mean, I think our strategies um, are fairly similar. So that gives us some overlap in terms of where we like to take certain players. Yeah. That's, that's a fair point. Um, so, but, so who are, who are some guys you like a little better than ADP? Well, I was going to say, you know, why draft DK Metcalf? in the fourth round when you can get Cortland Sutton, like yeah. two rounds later, who I view as a similar prospect and who, Hey, now has Russell Wilson, right? Yeah. He's going 15 spots. So over a round cheaper than Metcalf. Um, I actually have Sutton ranked ahead of Metcalf. So I think he's going to outproduce him at a cheaper ADP. Uh, and, and I kind of took a cop out here cause there's three guys that I really wanted to talk about, um, <laughs> but I, I'll keep it short. Right. Uh, I honestly, like in every single draft this year, I want to come away with Cortland Sutton, Allen Robinson and Marquis Brown. 
Like if those are my only three wide receivers on my roster, I'll be happy yeah. heading into week one with those guys. Sure. Um, and I think again, going back to our Debo conversation, that's sure. why I'm so willing to go running back or tight end early because I like a lot of these wide receiver options to outproduce their ADPs in the middle rounds here. Um, and for me, you know, the main theme for Sutton Brown and Robinson has been quarterback upgrade this off season, right? We Thank saw you. Cortland Sutton showed elite flashes back before his 2020 ACL tear, uh, and his skill set down the field and as a contested catch guy really mesh well with Russell Wilson's abilities. So for me, I think he has Metcalf, excuse me, Metcalf esque top 10 wide receiver upside this year, but he's being drafted behind Metcalf. Um, Marquise Brown to me, he had a good quarterback in Jackson in Baltimore, but specifically when it comes to deep balls, Kyler Murray has been better completing deep balls than Lamar Jackson over the last three years. And Arizona is a much more faster paced offense. So I think there's going to be more target volume and efficiency downfield for Marquise Brown. And then Allen Robinson, you know, we touched on this when we talked about Justin Fields last episode, a lot of people are worried that he's kind of on the decline after last year. But again, I think I attribute a lot of that to just being displeased at the bears franchise, you know, franchise tagging him last year on a losing team when he wanted to win, wanted to get paid. And there's reports that the Rams signed Allen Robinson, not as a number two, but as a feature wide receiver alongside Cooper cup and that he's been dominating in camp. Three highly talented players. Um, I, th I think that uh, on Fantrax HQ, you have an excellent write-up. If I can plug you for a second on Marquise Brown, oh, thank you. behind him. Um, excellent, excellent article. I'm completely in agreement with Cortland Sutton. You know I love him. And Allen Robinson, I touched on in the, in the episode prior. So uh, I feel like you, like you might have looked over my shoulder here, Monk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I tried to send an offer in our dynasty league to get Cortland Sutton from you, but no dice. Yep. Nope, no. So clearly, not. we agree on on Sutton there. <laughs> <laughs> One guy, maybe you didn't catch wide receiver okay. Brandon Cooks going wide receiver twenty right now. Overall fifty three. Brandon Cooks is perennially disrespected. This year is absolutely no different. He put up yet another a hundred a thousand yard season for a wide receiver twenty finish in his first year with Davis Mills. Chalk him up for an easy one hundred and twenty targets and set him and forget him as wide receiver in your wide receiver two spot. You, you can't do better than Brandon cooks at 53rd overall. Yeah, I, I agree with cooks. I have him ranked highly. And I, I think again, this comes down to some of my targets this year where I just don't probably won't be taking a lot of cooks um, simply because I just feel like wide receivers so deep and there's guys that I like, you know, all the three guys that I talked about just now are going after Brandon cooks. So while I like cooks, I prefer all three of those guys and I just don't see myself taking a lot of them, but certainly, you know, he showed, I mean, he's been good with any quarterback, but he showed flashes with Davis mills last year, clear number one target, you know, unfortunate news about John Mechie. Uh, but I, there's really no target competition for cooks, right? And Houston's defense is still going to give up a lot of points. So there are going to be some easy shootout game scripts for cooks. You got it. All right. Let's talk about, we haven't talked a whole lot about rookies. Um, but I think often there is a lot of value in drafting rookies because some of the more casual fantasy football players 
just don't really know a whole lot about them. Right. I mean, yeah, but this is a redraft show. We want to actually win our leagues. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and I think part of it is like, like we said with Trey Lance and how his ADP is so low, people just want to have, have seen it before. Right. I think seeing is believing for a lot of fantasy players. Do you agree with that? It is for me. Yeah. And I, I think that's fine, but at the same time, you're missing out on value because once you've seen it, their ADP goes up a ton the, the next year, right? So you want to be ahead yes. of the crowd. And for me, that's Drake London, who's being drafted as the wide receiver 39, 96th overall. I mean, you're getting him in the 10th round. <laughs> really, like Atlanta's defense was awful last year. They ranked 29th, and that forced them into having the eighth highest pass rate in 2021. Now they really haven't made a whole lot of improvements to the defense. So I don't see passing volume changing a whole lot. And in 10 games last year with Calvin Ridley suspended, Russell Gage saw 7.9 targets per game. So even with Kyle Pitts getting a ton of target volume, I'm projecting London to see a hundred plus targets on a bad Falcons team. And his ceiling might be close to 150 targets, depending on how much they need to throw. Now, like touchdowns are a concern, but London's volume, I think mitigates that. And he's just crazy cheap for a guy who I think could be producing as a wide receiver two or three by the second half of the year. And people are just scared because of the quarterback situation and Marcus Mariota or Ritter, if he takes over at some point, but you know, even as a pretty mediocre real life quarterback, Mariota's pro proven that he can support fantasy relevant receivers during his time in Tennessee. Yeah. All, all jokes aside, I, I actually don't hate it. The, this is the area in the draft where you shoot your shot, where you grab the guys that you like, you know, your, your final five spots on your roster or, or however many are on your roster. This is where you take your lottery tickets. Um, I like Drake London because you will know relatively early on in the season, if he's going to be able to be an NFL producer because there's just a lack of depth in front of him. So if he isn't, you cut bait early and then you go find another option. Yeah, I agree. All right. That's going to wrap up the wide receiver position. So let's head on into tight ends. So Los, before we get into the specific tight ends, generally speaking, you know, do you want to try and grab one of those top five or six, or are you waiting on tight end? Actually, I'm pretty opposite uh, as to how I am about uh, quarterback. I think from year to year, there are some guys that, that just jump past the field. You know, your Kelsey's, your Kittles, your Wallers when he was doing that, your Andrews is. Um, so if I can snag one that I, I don't like going earlier mid first, but if somebody will dip to me and I'm at 12 or, or something like that, I will grab a Kelsey in, in that instance. Um, the reason for that is um, unlike quarterback, Quarterback, you have lots of producers, in my opinion, that sort of sit together and produce enough points to not de decimate you. Tight end, you get towards that back end. You get a lot of guys that produce similarly to each other, but instead of keeping you competitive, they're tanking you. It's it's like not even starting a tight end. So that that's why there's a difference between those positions for me. How about you? Yeah, and it's pretty crazy. Like, I do want a top five tight end. Um, but for whatever reason, like Travis Kelsey is very attainable in that late first, even early second, because his ADP is 13th overall, uh, which is lower than it has been in past years, I guess because of age, but really with Tyree kill gone, like he could have just an absolutely monster season. Get him, get him every time you can. If, you, if he's sitting there at 13, uh, if he's sitting there at 13. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'd be very happy to start my draft with like a Kelsey Barkley combo or like Kelsey Camara, something like that. If he's there in the late first. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, but who's, you know, who's a tight end who you are out on at ADP Los? Sure. The first guy to talk about is TJ Hawkinson right now going tight end seven sixty five overall right now. Hawkinson is going a tier back from the highly drafted tight ends, but he needs to dip a bit further. Uh, he has not shown staying powered power to this point in his career. I accept, I expect a step forward from Swift this year, which tends to limit tight end upside, especially with, uh, with pass catching running backs. Goff is not as bad as the community makes him out to be, but he has a, he has very limited demonstration of success with his tight ends. Only a few games with Tyler Higby, uh, where we caught glimpses of brilliance when he was game plan for very heavy usage. And that buoyed our expectations for Tyler Higby for two years uh, straight. And he let us down both of those years. Um, to me, I think you wait on tight end. You solidify your running back and wide receiver depth and not take TJ Hawkinson. He's very similar to the next seven to eight, seven to 10 tight ends off the board to me. Yeah, I, I mean, we were very high on Hawkinson last year. At least I was. I don't remember about you, but uh, that really was more about the the situation around him than his talent, right? Because right. I don't. There was nobody there. Yeah, it was like Quintus Cephas, and you right. know, Amon Ross St. Brown wasn't even a blip on the radar at that point. Equinemius uh, St. Brown, or no, uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, what's the other name? Um, there was another long it's name. It's like there. Josh something, I think. Yes, that's uh, okay. Well, either way. Know. But that's the point, right? We can't even remember right. who were the Lions tight or wide receivers last year. And that's why right. uh, we really liked Hawkinson to see a lot of volume, especially with the Lions defense uh, as bad as it was. But, you know, he's he's just going too early. I have him as tight end seven, but again, overall ADP, like two or three rounds later. So I'm on sure. board. Um, here's one that I think, again, people are not going to like, but uh, it's, it's tough love. It's, you know, got to take the medicine. Uh, I'm pretty out on Mark Andrews mm. who's going as the tight end to 22nd overall. And look, I get it, right? He's been a consistent top five fantasy tight end over the last three years. He's been averaging 26% of the target share in Baltimore, but looking at total target volume, it's a very different story because the Ravens really became way more pass heavy last year due to injuries to their running backs and their defense with their defense back to, I want to say top 10, maybe even top five. Um, we're hearing that Dobbins is going to be ready week one. I would expect a lot closer to that 46% pass rate from 2019 and 2020 than the 56% we saw last year. So I've got Andrews as a top three tight end, and I don't have any issue with you taking him at tight end two, but in the second round is way too early for me because I think that while his target share is still going to be very high, his overall target volume, I would project quite a bit lower than it was in 2021. Andrews benefited a little bit in a, well, it's actually a pretty different way than, uh, than we expected Hawkinson to, but uh, it just, it, player injuries or lack of production from the running back situation is sort of what fueled Mark Andrews. And we know that uh, Baltimore is going to want to get back to running the football. Um, hopefully Baltimore's defense is a bit better this year. They had tons and tons of injuries, but a better defense of course caps your offensive ops, uh, offensive upside as well. Yep. I, I think it's just, again, it's, he's a great player. It's just the cost. Yeah. Now, do you have him dipping past 
do you have Pitts above him? Because I could see that given the state of Atlanta's defense. Um, I do. I have yeah. Pitts at tight end too, and I have Andrews uh, a few spots behind him overall rankings, and you know, at tight end three. Yeah, Pitts is a, is a tough one. I I think I agree there because I think Pitts will. I mean, he's practically going to be a wide receiver this year. Yeah, and again, people are scared because of Mariota, but the same reason I'm high on Drake London is this, is why I'm high on Kyle Pitts, right? I mean, right. Uh, who was it? Not Vance McDonald, but uh, Delaney Walker had some mm-hmm. monster years in in Tennessee with Marcus Mariota. Yep, so I'm sure not did. worried about Pitts. Yeah, Mariota's not as bad as people make him out to be. Um, my next player, a little further down down the down the pecking order, Pat Fryermuth, tight end twelve overall, one twelve. But uh, he did gain a lot of love last year. Uh, he's a very good rook, uh, second year tight end player. But the problem is the offense here. Uh, big Ben's gone, who was targeting Fryermuth quite a bit, finding him in big spots. Uh, but Mitchell Trubisky, we have not seen to this point in the in his career to hyper target tight ends. Now he did find uh, Jimmy Graham a couple. Times nicely in the end zone. Um, I, I call those flukes more than I call them anything else. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky didn't have a player pool like Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and the rookie George Pickens to throw to. So I, I just don't see the pieces of the pie sitting there. And then, of course, we all know how good Najee Harris is, both rushing the football from short yardage and catching the football. Um, the, the, the touchdowns will not be there for Fryermuth this year. Yeah, it's just there's no reason to reach it. Like, I think he can finish at tight end 12, but then was he really sure. worth that pick, right? Or it's the if, same as tight end 20. Or if he finishes as tight end 10, but he averages like a one point per game more than the tight end 18. You right. know, like, it's just, again, the opportunity cost. You've got guys like Kadarius Tony, Alexander Madison, um, Tua, who we talked about on the quarterback episode, like all going after Fryermuth. And it, there's just not much different between difference between him and the other tight ends going later, because it, it's partially why, you know, we didn't talk about Najee Harris on our running back episode, but I, I just don't see quite as many check down short area targets for Farmuth or Harris with a declining big Ben last year where he just couldn't throw downfield. Right. And if there's something we know about Trubisky, he does like to hyper target his wide receiver one. We have seen that. Yeah, so I, I think just overall, I, I don't expect the target volume for Fryermuth. I think he's fine, but just he doesn't have that upside for me. Yep, definitely. All right, uh, a guy that I'm pretty far off of on, uh, kind of similar argument to Pat Fryermuth really is Mike Kosicki, uh, who's going as the tight end uh, 12 or 13. Um, I think he just jumped uh, Fryermuth, or he oh, Fryermuth yeah, just to, jumped yeah. him. Whoops. <laughs> Um, no, he, uh, Gusecki is now tight end 11. So they were going back and forth in ADP, but either wow, way, real time. Both of them. <laughs> that's in real time right there. Yeah, Avoiding both of them. Cause you know, there's been reports out of training camp that Gusecki hasn't even lined up for receiving snaps during some practice days. Uh, so we're talking about a guy who was fourth in targets among tight ends last year, but still finished as just the tight end nine in PPR. I guarantee that he is not going to finish that high in targets uh, with Waddle in his second year and Tyreek Hill there now with the Dolphins. So 111 targets last season is probably his career high, I would say. 
And uh, he's just going to be in that middling tight end two range. And again, uh, like with Fryermuth, there are plenty of running backs and wide receivers in that range that I'd rather have. Or if you waited on quarterback, you know, there are good quarterbacks going there too. Yep. All right. Let's talk about some tight ends that we're excited about. Los, who's, who's someone that you're looking to draft at ADP? Sure. Uh, this may be a big, big mistake, but I'm going to take us back to sweet home Chicago. Cole Komet, tight end 13 right now going overall at 140. And I certainly take him over both the players that we just uh, talked about. Um, I certainly do not blame the community for not drafting Komet, but with the Bears team in the position they're in, very, very limited talent at wide receiver past Darnell Mooney and essentially all their newly signed wide receivers either getting injured or arrested this offseason. Komet may be the diamond in the Windy City rough. Uh, the Bears are a very bad team. They will be behind in games early and often. They will need to throw the football. And while Fields has a cannon, he does not have either the protection or talent at wide receiver to fully take advantage of it outside the numbers. I like Komet as a tight end one out of desperation for Chicago. Yeah, I mean, he's basically our argument for TJ Hawkinson last year, yeah. right? Just yep. lack of target competition and, you know, not an elite talent, but the target volume should be fairly high there. Um, only difference is Hawkinson last year and this year is going in like the sixth round and Komet's going what 13th round, 12th round, yep. something like that. Yep. Uh, like you could even reach for him in the 10th or 11th if you really wanted to. Um, totally I don't think, fine with I don't think his upside justifies it, but again, just much cheaper than, basically what we said for TJ Hawkinson last year. Yep. Yep. So my tight end that I really, really love this year, who I, I have ranked similarly to Mark Andrews is George Kittle. Uh, I have him at tight end four, just one spot behind Andrews in my rankings. Um, and he's going as the tight end four, but 42nd overall. And here's why I just, probably won't have any shares of Mark Andrews this year because Kittle's going so much later. Like we know he's a top talent, right? Kittle's been mm -hmm. a top five tight end in the league. Um, maybe the best tight end in the league in terms of pure in terms of pure talent with Gronk retired. Uh, but the issue is that Kittle hasn't averaged more than eight targets per game since 2018. And he's also never scored more than six touchdowns in a season uh, nor has his average set the target been higher than 17th among tight ends over this span. So he's pretty much been hamstrung by Jimmy Garoppolo's inability to throw downfield. Uh, he's been relegated to a lot of blocking because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not very mobile. And I think that both of those things could change with the switch to Trey Lance. And yes, we expect Lance to not throw a ton because of San Francisco's run heavy offense and his own mobility, but there's a chance that Kittle's going to be far more efficient than before, especially in the red zone. So he could see career highs in receptions, possibly in touchdowns. And there is the possibility that San Francisco's defense could suffer some injuries. And then you get Mark Andrews from 2021. So for now, I think both of both Andrews and Kittle to me, or on run heavy offenses who are top five, but probably not top overall tight end. But Andrews is going two rounds earlier. I hate to agree with you, but I've always felt like George Kittle was due for a 10 plus touchdown season. It's amazing to me that he's never topped six. Um, granted, injuries are a part of that. Are you worried at all about his knees? 
I mean, he has definitely suffered more injuries than, you know, other tight ends over this span. But again, I, I think it's just the cost, right? Like you're not paying a yeah. Kelsey or Andrews cost for him. You're taking him in like the fourth round. And sometimes he even drops to the fifth round, depending on the draft. At, at that, uh, yeah, at, at that price, he's, he's season winning if he stays healthy. Yeah. All right, Lewis, who is your second tight end that you like at ADP? Sure, my second is Hunter Henry, tight end 18, going 153 overall, essentially undrafted in multiple leagues. Um, It's less to do with me loving Hunter Henry and more to do with just being a huge tier of of, uh, tight ends that are very similarly viewed in my eyes. And that starts up at 10 with Dawson Knox, goes through Fryermuth, Gesicki, Komet, down to Hunter Henry, Noah Fant. Hunter Henry caught uh, a ton of touchdowns last year. I I had the number, then I lost it offhand, unfortunately. But that's what saved his week-to-week was all the touchdowns last year. I don't really see a reason for the Patriots to get away from that game plan. Um, The the younger tight end, whose name Mung is about to feed me, Janu Janu Smith is the, <laughs> is used as the inline blocker. Hunter Henry is the attacking weapon downfield. He's going to score touchdowns in, in this, in this, uh, in this offense. Yeah. I'm not quite as high on Henry as you are. Um, one of well, our I'm few not... disagreements, but I think part of that is because I, I have historically been higher on Johnny Smith. Um, and he's been like a leading target supposedly in training camp. But I, I think Hunter Henry is fine, right? Because like you said, touchdown production is so dependent or t- excuse me, tight end production is so dependent on touchdowns and in the red zone, he seems to be Mac Jones's guy and the Patriots only added Devonte Parker. So it's not like he's mm-hmm. got a ton of red zone competition. Right. Exactly. The, 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 the exact point is he may score zero for you on a week or two, probably not zero any, well, potentially, but you know what? So could the guy going at, um, 94th overall to Austin Knox. Yeah. And I mean, again, outside of that, you know, those top five or so tight ends, I mean, touchdowns are what makes the tight ends weak. And, and exactly. If you want the, t- the, the tight ends who are heavily involved in the red zone, which is Hunter Henry. So, uh, yes, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a similar argument for guys like Gerald Everett, right? I mean, they're going to put up some zeros, but there's going to be those touchdown or two touchdown weeks with Justin Herbert. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. All right. So my second tight end is actually going to be a, a guy who was pretty high on uh, the community was pretty high on a couple of years ago and then kind of uh, died in terms of ADP and, and production on the Browns as so many players seem to do. And that's Austin Hooper, who is currently going mm. undrafted in pretty much every league tight end 26 right now, 209th overall. So pretty much undrafted. And look, how many years have we said Los? if you miss out on an elite tight end, just wait until the very, very late rounds to grab one. Well, we've specifically said it eight years. that's very true. Um, but I mean, there's no more extreme than this, right? Just right. I mean, Hooper has been forgotten about, but it was what, two years ago, we were talking about him as a potential top five dynasty tight end after his season in Atlanta with Matt Ryan and over the off season, you know, per ESPN's turn, Turan turn, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but Davenport, uh, said, (laughs) <laughs> it would not shock me, but, uh, 
Uh, you know, he's reported that Hooper has, quote, made it his personal mission to develop chemistry with Tannehill and that, quote, the two have put in extra work during downtime in practice. He also noted that Tannehill, you know, since he became the starter in Tennessee, 24% of his targets have gone to tight ends. And 25 of Tannehill's 76 touchdown passes since then, 33% have been to the tight end position. So if I miss out on one of those top five tight ends this year, I'll be happy to pass on TJ Hawkinson and Fryermuth and Gesicki and just grab Austin Hooper in the very last round. I'm glad to hear they're putting extra work in together, but are they having breakfast together? Because I think we've seen that that is really what makes the difference. No, but we should definitely ask him that because okay. we've seen what that does. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've kind of summed up that with tight end, just we've said it for eight years. So if you guys have you know been listening to the podcast, like, you know, our stance on this at this point, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't really want anybody past Goddard if I'm like really trying to target somebody in, in the tight end position. So I I'm generally going after a Kelsey or a Pitts um, or Kittle. Yeah. I, I think a guy that I'm willing to take a few stabs on maybe is Dawson Knox, just because I'm not the biggest believer in Gabe Davis. Um, okay. So, you know, if, if we think that the the role or the passing targets could be spread out a little bit more behind Stefan Diggs. I think Knox and Isaiah McKenzie are both targets. You know, I liked him more before they decided they really needed to sign OJ Howard. Yeah. I mean, I think that's certainly a knock, but I think it just, it just put some question marks into my head. Like what's, what are, what am I missing here? For sure. And like I said, I prefer to, if Kelsey's there in the late first, I'm usually yeah. going with him. Um, yeah. Or if Kittle is there and I've already got some solid running backs and a wide receiver, I'm usually taking him. But, you know, if, if tight ends just kind of fly off the board and I'm kind yeah. of left hanging, I don't mind taking a shot on Knox if you don't want to wait until the yep. very late rounds. Yep. Alberto has dropped precipitously uh, lately. I, I think I'm in agreement with that. Not to, not to just start throwing names out there, but I just don't really see that much room for him with all the other talent on the team. Yeah. I, I think he's a risk reward flyer because sure. certainly not good that he was playing with the second team in preseason week one. Um, but again, I, they've talked about, them wanting like a big body in the slot, given the run blocking scheme. And I think Albert O might actually fit that profile to replace Tim Patrick most um, yeah. after his ACL. So I think there's still yeah. upside there. Um, yeah. I think Albert O is someone we should monitor over the next couple weeks in the preseason. That's why I brought him up. Yep. All right. So that is going to wrap up the wide receivers and tight ends. If you missed out on the quarterback and running back show, you can go back and listen to that on the previous episode, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Los, tell them where you can find us. You can find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitcher and Google play and SoundCloud. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button. So you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Yeah. And we'll see if we do one more preseason show or if we're going to head right into the week one preview, but uh, yeah, get excited for the NFL season. It is coming sooner than expected. If you guys have any questions, you can follow us on Twitter. It's uh, fantasy worlds and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks addicts. <laughs>